0: So first of all, uh, for those of you that do not know, that is a a typewriter. So all my Fuse and young adult students, there you go. So maybe we're dating ourselves a little there. But uh, hey, we're glad that you're here this morning. Um, Today we do kick off our new series, Christian Atheists. We finished last week looking at the book of Colossians. And uh, one thing that I love about our messages here at Grace, and just what to say in general, The message of the Bible is this, is that even as believers, there's always stuff that we have to work on. And uh, Colossians, we had practical, like, things that we got to work on as as believers, as followers of God. And we just continue that. And we're just going to continue doing that because the Bible is filled with things uh, that challenge us in our faith. And uh, so we're jumping this series, Christian Atheist. Now, uh, when this came up a few months ago in our staff meeting, as we were talking about uh, this new series... Uh, when I first heard it, I was like, "I didn't." I'll be honest, I didn't like it. I was like, "It's kind of weird. Don't get it." But as we kind of broke it down, we talked a little bit about it, it. It made a lot of sense. And the idea is is really this, and it's kind of in that byline under Christian atheist. Um, but it, it's just really the idea that uh, we were people. There are many people who claim to be Christians, followers of God, recognizing that they have given life to Christ at some point in their life. They can point back to that time. But practically, on a daily basis, in some of these different topics, these issues we're going to talk about, they don't, it's like they don't live out their faith. It's like they live as someone that doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in his power. And day to day, we talk, call ourselves a Christian. But in reality, in our actions and what we do, and what we say, what we talk about, we live like an atheist. And so that's kind of the idea uh, behind this series, um, our topic this week we're going to talk about is one that I can promise you this. From all the way over here, all the way this side of the auditorium, back in the kids, a lot of the little kids even, our adult workers back there, every single person in here tonight or in there this morning, uh, everyone has to start with this at some point, okay? Um, and, and maybe you've already experienced it today, uh, maybe as you were uh, eating breakfast with your kids, getting cereal. Um, you know, you guys are sitting there eating, having conversations, and maybe it came up in the conversation. Uh, maybe, uh, husbands, you're driving into church this morning. Uh, something was brought up uh, you know, between you and your wife, and it caused this issue, this problem to come out. Uh, maybe this last week, as you were sitting down with your coworkers at the break table uh, on your lunch break, um, it came up when people started talking about your boss and about all the hours that you've got to work. See, issue that we're going to talk about this morning, the topic is this, anger and what God's Word has to say about it. Now, I want to say this first of all, okay, because anger can get a bad rap right off the bat. Um, Anger can be good and bad, okay, so we're going to break that down. We're mainly going to talk about sinful anger, okay, and how we need to respond as believers, but we need to take some time and to talk about. Right anger, because the Bible does talk about having right anger. Uh, We'll look at that in just a little bit. Uh, But think of anger kind of like a fire, right? Like I live live out in the country, and like one of the things I love to do with my kids and my wife is go out in the backyard and do s'mores, do hot dogs. Like on, we got like a little bonfire pit, and we got chairs out there, and it's a good thing. Having a fire, it's a good thing. We're having quality time. We're hanging out with each other. It's good. But it can be bad when it gets outside of that. All right? It can be get bad when it is not contained inside of something. And think about like the wildfires that happen out west or maybe a house fire. That fire, it can cause severe damage, millions of dollars in damage. But it can be also it can, it can be a good thing. It can cause death, but it can also be something that's fine. It can be used to cook, th- cook things. You see, that's how anger is. It's the exact same way. In some cases, it's good, but in other cases, it's bad. So there's appropriate times to have anger. Um, If you love someone and they're hurt, maybe by someone else or a situation that happened, a lot of times God, he uses anger to be a motivator in our life to fix the problem of maybe injustice or, against someone being wronged, taken advantage of. And here's the deal. We know this. God experienced anger. We know that he did because through his son, Jesus, we'll look at a story real quick. Briefly, Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark 11, 15 to 17, it tells us that Jesus had some what we're going to call biblical or righteous anger. It says this, they came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods to the temple. He was teaching them, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Also, here's the deal. Jesus, he responds in righteous anger. He comes into the temple with his his disciples, and he notices there's people that are essentially just making hand over fist. All right, and they're doing it with items, these doves and different things that have to be used to worship God. And so you have these Pharisees, these other animal sellers, and they're in there, and they're only in there just to make profit for themselves. It's all about padding their own pocket, and so they're taking advantage of other people. You see... Jesus' emotion, it was described in John uh, chapter 2, verse 17. It was described as zeal for God's house. See, his anger, it was pure and it was it was completely justified because its root was its root concern was for God's place of worship, his holiness, all that. And so Jesus, he took quick and decisive action. He starts flipping tables. Uh, I think it's in John. I didn't read that verse, but in John, uh, he actually fashions a whip. Gets a whip, right? He's going to get these people out of here. Going to like tell them, hey, you you can't be doing this. To the Pharisees, they were also taking advantage of those that were poor in the community of the Jewish people that were coming to worship God. They were raising the prices on different items that they had to have for worship for God. Now think about it like this. We got any Cedar Point fans in here? Any? Any Cedar Point fans? Wow. Okay, last service had, I kid you not, like eight. Like that was it. I don't know. So, you guys, you guys need to help them out. Get them up with Cedar Point or something. Have some fun. But here's the deal. One of the things that I hate about Cedar Point is this it's in the middle of the day. It's hot summer day. You want to get a Coke or something, right? Get a slushy, whatever. Hey, dude, it's like that Coke or slushy. Probably literally takes like 75 cents or less, maybe 50 cents to make. And the, they charge like 10 bucks for that thing. You know, and you got, I got two kids and wife. And so I get a couple of them like 20 bucks for drinks. Are you kidding me? Right? Well, that's essentially what's going on here. Right, These people, they were jacking the prices up through the absolute roof just to make money for themselves. And so it's rightly justified that Jesus goes in and starts flipping tables, right, telling them, hey, you can't do that stuff here. This is not about making money. This is a place of worship where these people come to meet with God. They're taking advantage of that. So he kicks them out. Now, here's the deal, though. That's Jesus, right? He's perfect. He's holy. He does it all right. But here's the deal. We have other examples in Scripture, quite a few other examples. But we're going to look at one from Moses when, he, you know, a human example of righteous anger. Now, in a, in a little bit, we're going to talk about sinful anger, and it's all about Moses. So here he does it right, there he doesn't. But here, Moses, he displays righteous anger when he comes down from the mountain where he's with God, and God was fashioning the, you know, making the, the Ten Commandments, right? And he gives it to Moses to take down the people, and he goes down, and what does he see? He sees people all over worshiping this golden calf that Aaron, his brother by the way, had helped them make and he was cool. Aaron was fine with it and he led that. And they are bowing down, worshiping thing like as if it is the true living God. And Moses comes down and he is absolutely ticked. And you guys know what he does, right? Takes the Ten Commandments, and he breaks them, all right? He actually physically breaks the Ten Commandments. I thought that's kind of interesting, right? Just smashes them, right? And he's like, what are you guys doing? You're worshiping this, this golden calf? Like, that's the one that brought you out of Egypt? No, God, the, living, the true living God brought you out of Egypt and all your slavery, and he's taking you a place that's going to be called your own, that promised land. I mean, God had just, he had just done some incredible things with them. And Moses, man, he responds in righteous anger nothing wrong with that at all, all because the Israelites were really participating in idolatry and profaning God's name. And Moses calls them back, like, man, you guys can't do that. He does some other stuff with them to get them back on track. So, yes, here's the deal. In our lives, as Christians, um, anger can be a good thing. Uh, even in Ephesians 4, 26, 27, it actually says this. It says, to be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down in your angry. Anger, And don't give the devil an opportunity. So it tells us, hey, it's acceptable. It's a good thing to be angry. That's fine. Anger, it can be used to stand up for others. It can be used to defend right principles. Maybe you want to write this down. I thought I found this this definition of biblical or righteous anger. I thought it was really good. Uh, Biblical anger is God-given energy intended to help us solve problems. So biblical anger is God-given energy intended to help us solve problems. Anger is said to be a warning flag that alerts us of mistreatment of others and injustice and people being violated. So, yes, here's the deal. Yes, um, anger can be a good thing. But if we're honest, and I'm saying this from experience, a lot of us don't respond with the right kind of anger. We respond in sinful anger, which is mainly what we're going to talk about for the rest of the time this morning. Now, um, we're going to define it, we're going to talk about it, in the life of Moses and how he messed up on responding the right way, but you know I'm I'm a visual guy, and I like to see things like played out. And so uh, we got a couple videos, just short videos. We're going to show you a couple funny short videos. We're going to show you real quick of examples of sinful anger. So Jason, you can go to pull that, play that first one. If this is love, not that loved God, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Uh, um, We've come to know We love him because he first loved him. I love it. I love it. The last part, you know, we love because he first loved us. Um, yeah, not, not the right kind of anger. Um, if your phone rings, by the way, I'm not going to do that. All right. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You, don't worry about that. Okay. Um, now, if that guy was responding in sinful anger, okay, this next guy, it's like 25,000 times past that. And I think you know what I mean once you watch it. So go ahead, guys, play the next one. There was a young man in Calvary, uh, his name was Ben, and I was running a youth group. I was there for a few years, and um, he was just, he was a nice kid, but he was one of those kids that was always just, he's a real smart aleck, he was, just, was, was a bright kid, which didn't help things, right, it made him more dangerous. And we were outside one day at youth group, and uh, he was just, just trying to push my buttons, and he was just, you know, kind of not taking the Lord serious. And I walked over to him, and I went, bam! I punched him in the chest as hard as I, I crumpled the kid. I just crumpled him. And I said, I leaned over, and I said, Ben, when are you going to stop playing games with God? I led that man to the Lord right there. There's times that that might be needed. No, no, it's not. There's not times that that's needed to lead someone to Jesus, all right? You didn't lead him to Jesus. That didn't happen, all right? Whew. All right. Um, so some of your students sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. No, I wouldn't. No, I'm, I'm kidding around. All right. Um, but hey, that's the kind of anger. I know those are extreme, those are funny examples. But I, that's the kind of anger that we're going to be talking about this morning um, dealing with sinful anger in the life of Christians. And so we're going to address that this morning. We're going to look at the life of Moses. Great dude, great Christian, or great follower of God, leader that's, uh, man. God did some awesome things with, we're going to focus in on his life this morning and see how he responded to that. So um, as a Christian, we're called to live and we're called to respond when we mess up, we get off in situations we are called to do what Christ would and get back on track. And so today we're going to start and look at life of Moses, Numbers chapter 20, where he has this issue of anger, we're going to start to see it come up, and we're going to look at the first few verses, uh, actually verse 2 to 5. It says this, there's no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the Lord's assembly into the wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you led us up from Egypt to bring us this evil place? It's not a place of grain, of figs, vines, and pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. You see, the people, they're upset at Moses and Aaron, questioning, like, Moses, why... Guys, like why did you bring us to this this place? This is gonna be like it's gonna be like a big burial ground. We're just gonna let us die. Like this is it? You just you want us to get out of Egypt so we would just have a place where we'd all collapse and die because there's no food, there ain't no water, we're struggling. You see, this wasn't the first time they'd done this, though. They've done this multiple times before. I mean. Moses, if I'm, i am just be honest with you guys, if I'm Moses, I'm probably getting pretty ticked. I'm probably sick and tired of hearing the complaints of these people. I mean, time and time again, they're complaining about, you know, food and water and just all kinds of different things. So how does Moses respond? Look at that in verse number 6 to 8. It says this. Then Moses and Aaron uh, went on from the presence of the assembly to the doorway of the tent meeting. They fell face down and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses, take the staff and assemble the community. You and your brother Aaron are to... Speak to the rock, that's important, while they watch, and it, was, and it will yield its water. You will bring out water uh, for them from the rock and provide drink for the community and for their livestock. See, this is actually the second time this kind of similar things happen. If you go back to Exodus chapter 17, they complain, and God actually tells Moses in that, in that case, he says, hey, take your staff, and I want you to hit the rock and out is going to, you know, out forward is going to come water. And, it, you know, you guys are going to drink. And they did. And that was back in Exodus chapter 17. Now, it's a little bit different here, though. God told Moses to do what to the rock? To? Yes, to speak to it. He just said, don't, just speak to it. Hey, water come forth and water is going to come out. You don't, hey, Moses, dude, you don't have to hit it again. You just, just call it out, all right? Go on in verse 9 to 11. That's what it says next. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron, they summon the assembly in front of the rock. Okay, pause real quick right here, all right? So everything at this point is exactly what God said. Okay, he got a staff. God told him to do that. He's before the people at the rock. They're all, all these these people, these followers of God, they're all going to witness what happens next, okay? He's got a staff. The people are there, all right? And then Moses does this. He says to them, listen, you rebels. Must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses he raised his hand, struck the rock twice with the staff so that abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Plain and simple, just gonna break down this break this down over the next few minutes here. But Moses he messes up in response and sinful anger. So this morning I want to talk about this just briefly. Four things with anger. Okay, you can get from the life of Moses. So first thing with anger is this: circumstances are never an excuse to respond in anger. Circumstances are never an excuse to respond in anger. See, our problem is this, that our culture has made excuses for for being angry because of different circumstances of life. So we have to remember this, as believers, as followers of God, we've been called out of this world, and we shouldn't respond as the world does in most situations, and that includes in anger. Uh, We can make excuse after excuse after excuse for letting our anger get out of control, I mean, based on our life circumstances and things that have happened to us and how maybe we have been hurt or we've been wronged or someone said something. I mean, responding in right anger is the way to do it, but a lot of times we don't do it right and we respond in sinful anger, losing our cool. See, circumstances are never an excuse to respond in anger. Moses, he had a lot of bad circumstances going on in his life. I don't know if you know anything about where Moses is at right here. Um, just to name a few of these. Uh, The people, this was like the 25th time they came and they were ticked at Moses and Aaron and complained to them. Aaron and Miriam, who's his brother who's actually with him here, and apparently they restored their relationship. But you go back a few chapters, and his, his brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, they came to him and they're like, hey, we don't think, like, we don't think you're God's guy. We don't think you should be leading us. I mean, his own siblings. And then a few chapters before this, Israel, they're defeated by their enemies and they're wiped out. At the very beginning of Numbers 20, actually in verse number 1, it tells us that his sister Miriam, she dies. And right after his sister dies, on the heels of his sister dying, these guys come to him. And they just start they just start complaining. They complain, like, we don't have water, we don't have food. So Moses, what does he do? He responds in anger. And, he, and I don't think we get this, but in verse number 11... He says, hey, listen, you rebels. Now, when he says, listen, you rebels, if you go back in Hebrew, which is what this part of the Old Testament is written in, and you look at it, really what he's doing, it's almost like he's, like, cursing them. He's like, hey, listen up. You, listen up, you idiots. Like, do you even know what you're asking from God, from me? I am so sick and tired of hearing about it. So even in the words that he says, you can hear, you can feel the anger that he's just spewing. He's throwing out. He hits the rock twice. Circumstances and conditions of, of life hit, and we respond with anger that tells us really what's inside of our heart. Jeremiah 79, it tells us some stuff about the heart. It says this, it says, The heart it's more deceitful than anything. It's more deceitful than anything. Anger is not something that happens to you. Anger is something that happens inside of you. See, We all can probably think of circumstances of life, maybe how we were raised or someone treated us or talked to us, we can think of all these different circumstances and, and we think that they are like excuses to be angry, Man, but that's not from God. We should never let our circumstances be an excuse for responding that way. And then second, about anger, and God, he will not bless the unrighteous pursuit of a right end. See, when we're so passionate about something maybe that is right and it's biblical and it's true and our culture opposes that, but we're so passionate about it, like we just go off the deep end. All right, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it, well, it's kind of like poor little Ben, right? Ben got waylaid, right? He, he wasn't, I mean, he was a rebellious kid, but that dude, I mean, obviously something unrighteous knocked the kid out in hopes that he would, you know, follow God and he wouldn't be such a rebel. Okay, not, not the right way to do it. Okay, case in point. See, Moses, he had a clear instruction from God. God was specific. He told Moses, he said, hey, he said, you want water out of the rock? That's fine. I'm going to give it to you. All you got to do is you got to speak to it. That's the only thing you got to do. Now, before we get all crazy judging on Moses, like for hitting the rock and not listening to God and following him, really we need to test ourselves. Ask yourself, hey, do you mistreat people that don't agree with you? And when I say don't agree with you, I don't mean like do you mistreat people that, uh, you know, are different sports teams. I'm talking about like do you mistreat people that are like let, let's just say this, they are totally against everything the Bible stands for. I mean, they're on the complete other side of the fence, and maybe they're a co and, man, you have hateful feelings for them, you've gossiped about them behind their back, you've talked trash about them, conversation you've had with them, you've expressed your frustration and anger in a non-biblical way, in a wrong way. Guys, here's the deal. Sin will never solve Sin. It's never, it's never going to, sin will never solve sin. It's never going to happen. Mistreating those people who politically or biblically, spiritually, whatever, are in the complete other side of the fence from you, it will never be blessed by God. Never. Love is the only thing that covers sins. Now we're going to spend some time digging here on this next thing about anger. Acting out and disobedient anger carries with it consequences. See, back in our text, Moses, he had consequences for his, disobedience, and when this anger came out, man, he probably didn't know what was gonna happen next and the consequences and how they would affect his life. And it's pretty severe. Check out what it says here in verse number 12 and 13. What the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not, check this out, trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites. You will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. These are the waters, Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and he demonstrated his holiness to them. See, because of his anger, Moses, Aaron, and then all the people, they're not allowed to go into the promised land that they've been traveling to and looking forward to all these years. I mean, his anger had humongous consequences. See, anger, it's an emotion, and when we let it, it control us, it causes us to be careless. And really our, our anger is seen best usually in, in what we say, what comes out of the heart, what we say, what we talk about. As believers, and we know this, we've been called to be intentional with our words, to be careful and not careless with our words. Um, hey, my little sister Katie, she's back here. How's it going, Katie? You doing good? All right, I got a story about Katie and I from when we were little kids, all right? So oh, we're probably like six, seven years old, something like that. She's a couple years older than me. And uh, after church on Sundays, uh, we would go to my grandma's house, and we would have, you know, a big lunch and all that stuff. And then afterwards, all of us would go out in the backyard play. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just I went out in the backyard to play just like normal. And uh, I was out there. I think some of the other cousins and my sister were out there for a little while. And we were playing, just messing around, playing horseshoes, playing, like, lawn darts. You guys know what lawn darts are? Okay? All right. Okay. All right. Cool. And so I'm in the backyard and at grandma's house, just hanging out, having a good time. And I was out there by myself, and I... You know, I was just, I was just yeeting these things. I was just throwing them across the yard, you know, like no big deal around the country, having a good time. And um, I remember I just, I grabbed one, right? And I just took that thing. I just, you know, I just threw it. And I threw it kind of close to like the corner of my grandma's house, all right, in the backyard. And about that time, all right, I did not know, all right, I promise you, no matter what she says after service, she walks around the corner of, our, of my grandma's house. And I would already, I mean, it's gone, right? It's out of my hand. What's gonna happen? It's gonna happen, okay? And this yard dart, it hits her square in the forehead, all right, puts her on the ground, and she's bleeding, and I remember like going up to her And I'm like, please don't tell mom and dad, please. I'm so sorry. Like I wasn't thinking. I'm sorry. And of course, you know, I'm thinking like I'm about to get my butt beat, so I don't, you know. I'm so sorry. Like please, please don't tell mom and dad. Like I'm sorry. You know, I'll get you. I'll get you a paper towel. I'll get you some whatever. And she was just screaming, crying. And I just remember I kept telling her I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. And I legit did not mean to do it. I just kept telling her I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I should. I wasn't being careful. All this stuff. Now, question for you guys. When I said all that, did the bleeding stop? Did it? No? Okay. Did the pain stop? No, the pain didn't stop. See, here's the deal. I wasn't being careful with something that was dangerous, and it hurt someone that I deeply cared about. And it's the same way with our words. We respond in anger. I think think as believers, it's, it's similar to how we respond with our words. I mean, these words, they can be dangerous to those that we love and we care about, and, and usually we lose it most on the people that we're closest to. I mean, it's just, that's how it goes. You got to be careful for how we respond, and I don't know, maybe, maybe like you blow up, right? You go off the handle, and then, uh, you know, you, you tell your friend that you blew, you know, you blew up at, or you tell, you know, your wife or your kids, hey, I, I was just angry. I, I didn't I I didn't really mean to do that. Like, I I had a tough day at work, and this is going on, and and bills are behind, and so I'm distressed right now. I didn't mean to. I just, I lost my cool on you. But here's the deal. It still hurts that person regardless. There's still going to be a scar there. And here's the deal. Once those words, once they get out, you can't get them back. Once those words are out, you can't get them back. Another way that we let our anger take over in our speech is by something I'm sure we've all done, I've done, all right? is venting, all right? Now, the only problem with this is, is, is or the problem with venting is, is this. Most of the time, the only person that it benefits is you. And as a Christian, that's, that's not what our life is about. Our life isn't about benefiting us. And when we vent, we're always, most of the time, sharing negative information about someone else that has hurt us in our life but we're sharing negative information. So the person that's hearing it isn't hearing edifying speech, which we know this, that Paul has called us as Christians to share edifying speech. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have to control it. We have to control it. It starts by controlling our anger, not when it comes out, but inside of our heart. Now here's the deal. As believers, we have the fruit of the spirit, self-control. And I'll be honest, everybody to an extent has self-control. Okay. Everybody's got self-control to some extent. Um, I'm gonna prove it to you guys, if that's okay. All right. So, how many guys, maybe moms or dads, maybe been at home, and let's say it was, let's say it was a stressful day. You come home and like the house is a wreck. Okay, the house is a mess, and you're upset at your kids, and it turns into a big fight, and you're arguing with them. And I just saw some moms smile at their kids. Perfect. And you're fighting, you're arguing with them, right? And then you you hear a phone, right? you hear the phone ring, and you go over, and it's your best friend, right? And you flip. Did I really say flip the phone open? I didn't mean, that's, now. You press the answer button, slide it. All right, answer. Hey, you know, hey, how's it going? Oh, we're doing great. Hey, how's your household? How's how's, everyone good in your house? Hey, the Lewis household is great. Kids are growing. They got all A's in school. You know, doing great at sports. Everyone's happily married. Like, we're all good, right? We've all all done that. We all got self-control, right? And as believers... And we've got to learn how to exercise that. When we start just spewing things out in anger, I mean, we have to remember how important self-control is. Stop, repent, cut it out. See, the damage that's done by words expressed out of anger, it cuts so deep. Proverbs twelve eighteen actually says this, there's one who speaks rashly like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In our words, the Bible says it can be like a piercing sword. I'm sure most of us, we can remember maybe some hurtful words that a coach or that a parent or a teacher or a mentor uh, said to us. I mean, we, we felt that deep cut and those negative words. We felt the stab. We felt the sting. And sure, it's been years down the road, but I guarantee you, we all can remember right now scars from the past, from things that people have said. So you have to ask yourself, doing life really with others Man, are, are, we, are we accomplishing God's will when we do that? Like, are, are we doing what God wants us to? See, there have been times, to be honest with you guys, I've had to apologize to people in my life I'm close to. I've had to apologize to my wife, to my kids. I've had to t- apologize to church members. I've had to apologize to non-believers about things that I said from a sinful heart, from anger coming out. And once they're out, they're out. There's no getting them back, and they're like a deep cut. And no matter how they heal up, and the scars, the They're there. You see, we have to get this, that anger, it's rooted in idolatry. See, the reason why we get so angry inside and we let that come out and we lash out on those we're close to is this, is because my God has been offended, and here's the deal. My God is me. My God's me. I didn't get what I wanted in life, so I act out in anger. See, when we start to get anger or we get angry, before we say anything, we need to stop Think things through, right? And be careful, be in, intentionally thinking about being careful and not careless with our words in those moments. I heard a pastor say this, and, and he was talking to dads, so just know that. I mean, you can take this really to any relationship um, or someone loses their cool. But uh, he's talking about anger with dads, and he said this. If you lead that kind of life, that when you blow up in anger... Um, because you had, you know, whatever, a stressful day or a tough life and things that worked didn't go great. Go great. Uh, you're behind on your bills. You lose it on your kids and your wife and have this, these fits of rage and anger. He said, what you're really doing with your kids, you're playing dad roulette with them. I mean, they don't know what dad they're going to get when you walk in through the door. And so, man, they probably sit by the window, right, and they look out and they see dad. Does he look happy when he closes that door in his truck and he's headed to the front door? Or does he look upset? And so they're just playing dad roulette, wonder like, is this going to be happy dad or is this going to be mad dad? Like, which dad are we going to get? See, as Christians, man, God's given us the, the job, parents, with our, our kids, to cultivate that environment of really flourishing their relationship with God and others. That can't happen when we're acting out in these fits of rage and these fits of anger all because stuff that happened at work or different things that happened in life. See, acting out in disobedient anger, it carries with it consequences that go on and on. And the last thing about anger is this. The way to handle anger is to trust God and not to take matters into your own hands. So when we take anger into our own hands, what we're saying is this. God, hey, I don't need you. Like, God, I'm good. I got this. God, I got this, God. I, this. God, I can fix this. I can fix this. Just let me do it. Let me do it my way. The question is this. How's that working for you? Is that working? I mean, ask yourself, hey, is that working in my life? I'd say probably not. See, Moses, he had some pretty terrible results for trying to do things his own way and his own power. Moses was told by God, hey, the reason why you're not going to the promised land is because of your anger. And that's the reason, Moses. You didn't, you didn't trust me. You didn't believe what my word said. You didn't believe what I told you. And Moses, because you're trying to fix it and do it all your own self, responding to anger, not going in. That's the consequence And all the people, in Aaron. not You're not going in. See, when we try to fix any of our problems in life, outside of what God says, any sin issue, we try to fix our own self, here's the deal. The results are always displeasing to God and disappointment to ourselves. The whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to save us. Because we couldn't fix ourselves. We couldn't fix our own sin problem. We couldn't fix our pride. We couldn't fix our anger. We couldn't fix our gossip. We couldn't fix any of those, our hate. We couldn't fix our bitterness, any of those issues. Only trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. How he came to this earth. He died for our sins. Blood was shed so we could have forgiveness. sins. The only way that we can be fixed is by trusting in Jesus. He came for you, for your sin. That message is still true today for Christians. So Moses in the heat of the moment, Hits this rock trying to fix the problem rather than trusting simply in what God had said. It's speaking to the rock. Here's the deal. God, he wants to take away the anger. He wants to give you peace. So if you're a Christian and struggling with anger, man, trust what God's word says. I mean, that's what Moses should have done. But what can we do right now? We can trust what God's word says. And here's the deal. James chapter 4 tells us when we have an issue, we have anger maybe between, you know, us and someone else and, we, we've not handled that the right way and we've lost our cool. James 4 tells us, hey, when you got an issue with someone, here's what you do. You want to know what to do when you have an issue with anger? All right, go to James 4, 1 to 12. This is what you do. Admit your sin to that person. Admit your wrong to them. Admit it to God. Call out to God in prayer. When we say call out to God in prayer, I don't mean, God, forgive me my sin. God, I'm sorry I messed up. I'm sick and tired of struggling with anger. No. Take today, before the sun goes down. Right, don't let the sun set on your anger. We looked at that just a little bit ago. Before the, before the day's up today, spend 10, 15 minutes. Sit down, talk with God, and be completely honest with him. God, expose my heart. Show me why in the world I am so angry. God, why did I get so upset at that person? Why did I get so upset at that situation and that person? God, forgive me for that. Change my heart. Do whatever you have to do to fix me. I mean, go to God with a serious heart. Then he says... Verse 7 to 10, he says, hey, draw close to me. Draw close to me. Spend time in my word. Get to know me. Fellowship with the other Christians that are struggling with that. Get to know me. Then he says this. You draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. So our action steps are really pretty simple. If you've wronged someone, you've treated someone with sinful anger, got sinful anger in your heart, here's the deal. Go to them, ask forgiveness. Ask forgiveness from God. Verse 2, James chapter 4, pray about it. Call out to God, really calling him to help you with that situation, that anger, and get under control. Then 8, draw close to God. Spend time in his word, and it says this, he will draw close to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for just letting us have this time this morning that we could come into your house so we could just worship you. And God, I, I know even for myself as I was studying this this last week, God, it's a message that's packed with, got some challenging things from the life of Moses, and God, I'm thankful for his life and how we can look to it and see good examples, but also God, bad examples of like this, where he responded in sinful anger, and I know I'm guilty of doing the same many times in my life, and I'm sure everyone in here is as well. God, I pray that you'd help us now if we evaluate Relationships with other people in our homes, at our work. God, and if we see areas of anger, I pray that we wouldn't wait. God, I pray that today we'd pick up the phone, we'd call that friend that we hurt, we'd call that loved one that we hurt. We'd ask forgiveness. God, we'd talk to you about it. We'd spend time getting to know you and growing our faith with you, we pray. God, I pray you'd help us with our anger. God, our goal is this, in Tiffin, Ohio, man, our goal is that we reach as many people as we can for Jesus. And God, it, it's not going to be possible if we're all acting out in anger that's sinful. But help us to follow you. Praise in your son's name.